Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Carter Worth, Dan Nathan, Steve Grasso, and Tim Seymour. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin is back, maybe. The cryptocurrency having a bullish weekend, now climbing back towards 7,000, but is the worst really over? We've got the details. Plus, Tesla nailing down its production numbers, but investors took the stock to the woodshed. Why? Loop Ventures co-founder and part-time astrologer Gene Munster has some answers and three crazy predictions about what is in the stars for Tesla and Elon Musk. But first, we start with a major market comeback to kick off the second half of the year. Just like Rocky Balboa, stocks today refusing to stay down very long, making an epic reversal after falling nearly 200 points at the lows, ending the day higher with big cap tech stocks leading the way. So is tech what will save us all and will tech trump the trade war fears? Tim, what do you say? I'll tell you what. I mean, hearing the eye of the tiger gets me fired up going to you know, the, the, the Why wouldn't it? Well, I mean, Why wouldn't yeah. So, so, look, is tech getting you fired up at home? I'll tell you what. I'd be very cautious to think that tech is suddenly going to be resurgent, especially when you think about the trade wars. We're using technology and we're using tech as a place to begin to, or not begin, to continue this whole national security debate. So, no, I don't think, I think, I think on July 6th we may have um, what's a protocol to follow through on some of these trade sanctions, and I think it's not going to be a great headline. You look at the socks, it actually bounced off the 200-day. Good stuff. But guess what? You know, it continues to test the 200, and this is the part of the market that was leading, and now it's struggling. I'm not excited. Or the reverse of that, that it sold off ahead of all those trade fears, and we get to see on July 6th maybe a little bit easing back, which has been the, the uh, script thus far. So I would be a buyer of tech. I do think that you're going to see a bounce in the, in the uh, sector mm -hmm. and in the markets as well. Oh, I think Rocky Balboa was wearing that tie. Tech is the, is the <laughs> sector that's <laughs> most, nice. uh, most dependent on foreign sales. And semis within tech is the most. So maybe ahead of the fact. But even if they bounce, the problem with the SOX is that it's stuck at its 99 high. That is not a random thing. I think the semis are dead, and by inference, tech has problems. So you're saying the broader technology sector, even though so, it's Microsoft, Amazon, Netflix, this. This Apple. Kind of in 2000, the SOX peaked before the S&P at the top. In 2002, they bottomed before the S&P. In 2007, they peaked before the S&P. In 2009, they bottomed before the S&P. That's a leading and indicator. Sure it is. Well, so we can get a little granular here. I mean, let's look at the SOX. It's down 10% from its 52-week and all-time highs mm -hmm. here, the SMH, um, the ETF that tracks it. Um, obviously, you know, NVIDIA, there's some real horses in there, okay? But let's look at Taiwan Semiconductor. They make chips for like all the major names that we know about. And let's look at AMAT. Um, they make the equipment that makes chips. Taiwan Semi is a big customer of theirs. What's going on here? These stocks are in bear markets, both of them. And it's not just about trade. It could be that leading indicator sort of thing. We've talked about memory and the cycle that we've had. We've talked about data center. We've talked about all these trends. Right. But when we go into the fall, we could see, especially as we lead into the, uh, the, the next iPhone launch, you could be seeing a lot of double ordering. And investors may start taking that into account right are, now. Are and I'll just tell you, just lastly, uh -huh. Micron. We've talked about this two right. times now mm -hmm. at the prior all-time highs back in March. With great numbers. Month. They sure. had great numbers. Stock can't rally. Yeah. But here's the question. I mean, are semiconductors, tra I hate to go back to this, but are they trade war stocks right. or not? Are, we see are semiconductors 
revealing something else about the global economy. Well, I, I tell you what, I, if you look at what Taiwan Semi has told us over the last couple of quarters, I think uh, you went from actually where there's pent up demand, you had an inventory clean out. I actually think they're going to be building some inventory. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I don't think you can make a tell on the global economy. I think you make a tell on positioning. Yeah, but Semi's had been right, the, the trade to, to stay in the game on. And I tell you what, um, again, this is Carter's kind of territory, but uh, maybe you can make an argument on lower highs. I would make an argument this is the one part of the market that was holding up and it doesn't make me feel good. It's so, breaking down. So I, I made the case that we could see a short term bounce. But Carter, if you're talking about, do you see this as being something uh, of a cataclysmic sell off? Because then well, it's, just think it's, about it. it's, it's hide the children trade. at this just point. Just the way Dow Theory argues that transports are wise, right? That it's got to be moved on boats and trains and planes. This is beta within information technology uh, and its cyclicality. And so the cyclical element within the sector stalling uh, and having literally peaked in 2000 in the bottom in 02 and 07, that's not nothing. And so I, I think uh, one needs to be mindful of it and proceed with caution. Do you think things are different, just like Dow Theory may not be as accurate as before? Chips, in terms of being a component into the leading technology companies, they are not a right component, right? Well, I mean, into the leading technology. I mean, Apple, yes. I, I you, Apple, yeah, yes. But that. Amazon, no. Well, Microsoft, I think what you're getting no. at is Netflix now we have no. all of a sudden, you know, you, get, you, you buy a car off the lot and it's got like 20 sensors that didn't exist right. five years ago um, that are being made by all these mm -hmm. names that we just talked about. So, you know, Internet of Things, you talk about autonomous driving, this is going to be very chip heavy things. I think we might have seen the run up or the outperformance in the stocks over the last couple of years, I think incorporates a lot of that now. And I, listen, some of the valuations are pretty reasonable. We've talked about Intel for a long time and it's on it's stuck in the mud. They've had their own issues here, um, but it's a reasonable valued stock great stock in the mud I mean the thing's almost in a bear market no, I, but I mean, it's 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 yeah. collapsed yeah and, and I you know the thing that worries me about an Nvidia is I actually think that they should be worried about Intel I, I think you get into a place where I think a lot of these chips that Intel that Nvidia has had a leading uh, leadership position and ultimately you are back to a commoditized space and some of these valuations are tough to keep micron I mean micron's a cheap stock and it's not necessarily what people care about when they're owning it and we saw a flurry of M&A M&A typically right. happens at the peak of a cycle there was a lot of M&A in the past 18 months in, in semis. Yeah. You have to ask yourself, is it, your question I think is the most important. Is this a, a China sell-off or is this a global cyclical sell global uh -huh. economy sell-off? I'm, I'm weighing to the former versus the latter. I, I think it's, for me, it's about a trade war. And I think that every time we've sold off Steve, on a trade war, it's been bought back. I, and, and I don't think the world's falling apart. Be really clear. I actually think that global growth is okay. We've actually had some slight kickback up in PMIs, but we haven't necessarily needed much to get derailed. And so if you think of all the things, I mean, whether it was Gary Cohn, whether it was, you know, the Fed, whether it was, you know, all these little things or these very big things, I think the Fed's right. a big deal. So the Fed, I, I think, is backing off. is probably getting uh, less hawkish than they were. That's probably positive for the I'm overall so market. Sure that, I would way. say that earnings are going to gear up in the next couple of weeks. We have the lack of a buyback, so I think that's a negative for the market. Markets, but I think going into earnings, I still think you get a tail. Why is when the Fed is not bullish. If the Fed backs away aggressively, that will terrify the market. Yeah, that's not what we've seen, though. What we've seen is that every that. time we go to four versus three rate hikes, that becomes the headwind. I don't know why we think the Fed's less hawkish. I think the Fed is more hawkish. And I think, again, I'm seeing price pressures come through to all these regional Fed surveys. I'm listening to what Powell said at that.
that last, you know, really, his, that was really his first meeting. It sounds folks. like almost no matter he, what, they will raise rates. And, and he, he pretty much said that this is good news here and that this is exactly where we wanted to be and there's no stopping us now. And if you listen to the Fed officials and the worst of the volatility in February, when the market was running, I thought the Fed, thought the Fed like, was a respond political to the organization under President Obama. I think the Fed is a political organization no under Trump. No, I totally and I do think that they're taking their marching orders from the global economy. And when you see trade, if that hits, if that dings profitability, you'll see the so our central bank is not dollars. independent? Uh, definitively not. Definitively, definitively not. Definitely not. So anyone who can, says that it continue, is, if they continue, anyone who says that it is, is if they continue their right hiking path, then, then, then what will you say? If they continue, no, I think, right they, I think they want to normalize. I think they have so a vested they, interest in normalize. So if they do on the path that they've already telegraphed, Three or four is the path they already they already right. said. And the markets have absorbed it already. But if, they, if, if it hits the fan, they're backing away from that. I think that that's what they had already indicated prior to them. So then that wouldn't prove. So that, that I don't think so that's your political premise or then, not political. So, but don't you think that the, they know where Trump is? Don't you think that they know that Trump uses the stock market as a barometer of success? Do you think Powell, who Trump put into place, is going to thwart the efforts of Trump to use that barometer. I don't think the Fed is working for the way. president. I mean, and if you think Powell is that much of a puppet, I mean, look at the guy's history. It's very distinguished. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's the right I, guy I, I, for I the didn't job. say just Powell I mean, was. I said every Fed governor is. Every Fed chair is. That's, I, we, we're getting lost in the weeds here. That's just my opinion. Okay. All right. So what do we do here? I mean, well, we saw so, today so, let, the first trading day of the tech, second half. Because usually when we talk um, about tech like this, tech to save the day, we're talking about Fang, yeah. right? And Fang really did turn things around save today. Save the day today. And so to me, I, I actually think that that's obviously an easy go-to trade, especially when you think about a high-flying. Remember Red Hat a couple weeks ago sold off 20%. I think there's a lot of things that you can start to put together and say we're starting to see a deceleration in orders or, uh, across a lot of different things. You're not going to see that in these companies like uh, Facebook and Google that are reliant on advertising. That's going to be later in the cycle. So to me, I think because people feel so comfortable with the valuation versus the growth there, you're going to continue to see people pile in there. But I do think it makes sense to keep an eye on some of these other names that are not really on your radar. Taiwan Semi, like we talked about, is one of them. Yeah. Red Hat should be one of them. And this is what you should be focused on as we head into Q2 earnings in the next couple of weeks, because these are the things that are going these are going to crack before you ever see a crack in FANG. I mean, look, the recovery in FANG, just to put it in context, I mean, last week was the worst week in 12 weeks for the tech sector itself, the worst in 14 weeks for the semis, the worst in 14 weeks for FANG. So just recovering a little bit. I mean, the question is, are the highs that were made two, three weeks ago going to be enduring over the next week? Are we going to make new highs? No. Can we do it in two weeks? No. Meaning the presumption is we're stalled, we're struggling, and all you need is another red hat or two, and then you've got real fragility in the one thing that has held up. The Look, let's just look at what, what happened last, last week, though. Time. End of quarter, end of half the year. So there was a lot of dynamics along with the China trade that made everything that you just said factual. Okay. Well, despite today's reversal higher, the chart master here says there are two sectors you got to avoid. So, Carter, why don't you head over to the plasma and tell us all well, about I mean, it's just what we've been talking about. So we know that tech has the most exposure to foreign sales and semi in particular. But the, the true sort of cyclical trade, this melodious phrase, um, synchronized global growth. I want to talk about industrials and financials, because this has been the dream since the election in 2016, that you want to be long financials and industrials for tax cuts and for all the good things that have been announced. And yet, it's really not working. So what I have here is every single S&P 500 industrial and financial stock, uh, about 140 names, $6 trillion, plotted equal weight. That's the key. And they represent about 25% of the S&P. The top chart is a beautiful uptrend. Um, again, you have names like Caterpillar and Boeing, 
American Express, Goldman Sachs. One, we've broken trend. But here's the more important thing, at least uh, by my work. We have undone the entire move from the election so that we, this is relative performance to the S&P 500. All of the alpha was in eight-week period, and the whole thing has been given back. And we're well below where we were on a relative basis from the election, um, basically getting to be almost two years ago. Let's move on to a few other things. We have the circumstance as of Friday where both industrials and financials as sectors closed at the midway point down. Now, that has only happened nine other years. You see it right here. And what, what I looked at was what happens to the S&P performance in the second half in those years. The average performance down um, 61 base points, median down, compared to the average second half of up 4 or 5%. This is not a good setup either. So finally, I want to look at the correlation. They are running at about an 89% correlation uh, over the past one year. Now look at over the past five years. They are literally the same percentage gain. And each of them, if I were to have a trend line drawn, have broken trend. And they also have all the elements of something what is known as a head and shoulders top. This is not good, and it, and it speaks to if this isn't working, can we continue to be saved by tech? And what if tech doesn't hold up? Carter's going to come back. Sure. I mean, to, I it's think, almost beyond yeah. precedent for a guy to leave the desk and, and not, not ever come back, come back and you have an empty I don't want that happening on my wall. Well, in, in your case, though, that's not a surprise. Hit my chair. Yeah, it's not a surprise, Dan. Well, next time, next Carter. Time. Um, so at the beginning of the year, when everybody came out and they were saying, be overweight financials, be overweight financials, were you also were you thinking in your head, financials and industrials have a really high correlation? So if you say overweight financials, you well, by default have to trade, be. Right? I mean, right. it's the trade that is if taxes are cut, if interest rates go higher, the, the two things that people relied on really have not happened, or if they have, they haven't had the intended effect on those securities. But the problem is that that's 25% of the market, and that's really where cyclicality is. Um, energy can't move the market. We know that healthcare is sort of stuck. Uh, we know that staples have got their issue. So that if the core middle, so to speak, the cyclical names are not working, and yet we're clustering in more and more into the tech names, and tech were to falter, there's really... By definition, not much that could help if we get into trouble. So I, I agree with that, except for if I look at the market going back five years, tech has been the horse, right? If I look at Qs against uh, the S&P, they've outperformed substantially. They've outperformed even since the market peaked by a 7 or 8%, whereas you said the industrials have underperformed. So um, while I get concerned at the price action in the stocks, shouldn't this just be a continuation of what we've had and a different composition, frankly, of the economy? All true. The issue is, in those past five years, has tech had meaningful drawdowns? It has. All we have to do is have another such meaningful drawdown, and by inference, the market draws down. I think what's also interesting at this time now, we know that obviously buy boxes helped out a lot on EPS growth. We now have this tax cut from last year that's helping that too. But all of a sudden now we've seen this spat of IPOs. It's the busiest year in IPOs at 120 this year, busiest year since 2012. And it's likely to be the busiest since the dot-com bust, you know, back in 2000. So all of a sudden you have this new supply, and that's great. I'm happy for some news names to talk about other than right. Fang on this desk. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic? But don't forget about that supply. I mean, that's a really important thing. I know it does doesn't mean much, 35 billion so far in IPOs, but a lot of these things have performed very well and it gets people attention going to other things. And the last thing, all this media merger frenzy, it kind of feels a little bubblish too. So oh, it yeah. does, and it's a sector that's in transition, Dan. Okay. I mean, it, that to me is totally based upon a bottom-up call on what's going on. I mean, their business is at stake right now. It doesn't 
doesn't surprise me that they're all right, buying right, each but they're other tripping up. all over each other, Tim. You know, bidding stuff up to levels that don't make any sense. When a lot of people actually maybe, couldn't justify, maybe not smart the, for the, Disney the strategic to be doing sense that. that they made. From a valuation standpoint, the debt that they have to take to do these things, trust me, we're going to look back and say, was it a brilliant idea? I, I think that's right. But to say that that's an overall tell on where the market is, I'm I think, not saying, the, I, I think I, it, this is I, a, a secular dynamic I, I think, I think rather than a foolish. cyclical dynamic. It's part of a pastiche is what he yeah. said. It, it would be a mosaic of sorts. A mosaic. If, if, I he used pastiche, to. if he used pastiche, Tim wouldn't have interrupted him. Probably not. I never interrupt anybody. No, no, so I don't, don't know interrupt what, a pastiche. Yeah, Coming up, <laughs> casino stocks crapping out with all the big players under pressure, but one trader made a bet that the worst is over. We will explain the trade. Plus, Tesla nailing its production number for the quarter, but after soaring, the stock is sinking. So where is the Tesla rally? Gene Munster will be here to explain. And later, China hovering in a bear market. And one group of stocks is traders running to the river. We are going <laughs> bottom fishing, Chinese style. We're live from New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Fast Money. Casino stocks crapping out today after Macau gambling revenue for June fell short of Wall Street expectations. The weak number sending all the major players lower on the day, but the pain doesn't stop there. So far this year, shares of MGM and Melco Resorts both down double digits. Win Resorts also falling 9%, while Las Vegas Sands managed to eke out gains up about 3%, making the words of the great songwriter Kenny Rogers never more true. Do you hold them or fold them? Do you hold them or you fold them, mm. Rasa? Whoa, whoa. Hmm. It's oversimplified. Interesting the way you say that. So those are all the names that you want me to trade in a, in a, in a blanket of names with the casino names. I would say that you hold Sands, LVS. Uh -huh. You fold the rest. But what's counterintuitive is that MGM has the least exposure to Macau. Those numbers were weak in Macau. That one you would think would do better going forward. So you do not want exposure to Macau, and you want Vegas exposure. Like, I, I think at this the, point, you should, yes. Right? Okay. Yes, I, I would want Vegas exposure, but every time you bet on MGM to make up the lag, it never does. It's down 15%. Mm -hmm. So I would say maybe you take a flyer on MGM to close that gap now with Macau numbers that are out in public. Look, this is a combination of Macau and this is a combination of trade war. Again, these are stocks that actually, you know, potentially, the, think of the U.S. operators that getting most of their revenue or their growth is coming from Macau. Look at LVS. It's 30% growth year over year in terms of Macau. Um, is Macau falling apart? People are watching the yuan. People are watching the political process in China. People get very worried about capital flows. At those times, people get very worried about the casinos. I think this is a time where probably the currency and what's going on in China is a temporary dynamic as a result of the trade so war. I think this is an opportunity, but it's not tomorrow. Right. Just think of it. I mean, if the reference point is China, just mm -hmm. put LVS in the context of what it did in the 07 peak. It was $145. In the 09 low, it was $1.45. Wow. I mean, this is cyclicality at its most, it's a gambling chip, literally, the stock. And so here we are bouncing around, we're at 71 now, meaning if one's worried about the globe and one's worried about China, this can go as low as the imagination will allow. Huh. And well, I, I mean, MGM huh. had the same thing, dropped from 100 to, to $1.70. Wow. So sitting here in the $40, $50 range or 28 close today, 
These stocks have been massive outperformers. Choose your own adventure with this stuff. All right. Well, Dan saw some interesting options bets today. What'd you see? Yeah. So, Win in particular. I mean, it's a name that we talked about a lot, and it's obviously been pretty newsy. One of the newsiest, uh, you know, with with Steve uh, Win retiring or leaving the company earlier this year. Um, the stock is down 23% from the all-time highs. We were just talking about a breakout um, a month and a half ago, and now we're talking about a stock in a bear market. Um, it was an interesting uh, trade that caught my eye today when the stock was trading near the lows, down near 153. There was a seller out in September of that. Uh, uh puts, uh, seller of the 140 puts at about $5. And really, if this is an opening trade, it's a it's a bullish trade. And this trader is saying that I'm willing to buy the stock down at 140. Um, he's got some room down to really 135 on that sort of trade. After a free fall with option prices ripping, that makes some sense. And real quickly to those charts, um, look at the one year. Look at this thing just fell out of bed. You could call that possibly a pretty big double top um, back there at the prior highs. But there's that 140 level. Looks like support. And real quickly, here's a 10-year chart. I mean, when you look at this thing, Carter, I don't know what this says to you, but is that the mother of all Well, that right, that, <laughs> that right shoulder is to be determined, yeah. but it sure looks like that's what it is. Yeah. All right. That's it. Nice that's all I got for you. Yeah. Okay. For Rosh's Action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Still ahead, the entire crypto universe is rallying, but the Bitcoin boom, is it back for real? Our very own crypto baller will join us. Well, sort of. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Boy, I'm going that's what's happening to Chinese internet stocks, but the traders say it could be creating a buy opportunity for a number of stocks. They'll give you the names. Plus, Tesla made its production numbers for the Model 3, but there's more to the headline number than you think. Tesla guru Gene Munster will explain when Fast Money returns. Every day, Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla hitting the target on their Model 3 production numbers, but then shares made a U-turn. So what gives? Our Phil Lebeau is out in Chicago with the very latest. Hey, Phil. Hi, Melissa. Lots of news from Tesla. We'll get to the production and the delivery numbers in just a bit, but a headline late in the day, Chief Engineer Doug Field, who's been with the company for five years. Uh, remember, he was essentially uh, taken off of the, the main production of uh, the Model 3 back in May. Well, he is leaving the company, so that's the headline late in the day. Not a huge surprise there. Now let's talk about the delivery news that came out early this morning. And the Q2 deliveries... These numbers, especially when you look at the Model 3, that's the disappointment that the street sees here. 
18,440 of the 40,000 were Model 3. Most on the street were expecting at least 26,000 deliveries when it comes to the Model 3. So that news took a little bit of the luster off of the news that came out yesterday when the company said, look, we uh, had a great second quarter. And in terms of the Model 3, we hit our goal of producing 5,000 per week. 6,000 per week by the end of August is the new guidance from the company. Then you have a couple of analysts coming out today and saying, I don't think this is sustainable. Ephraim Levy with CFRA wrote, we do not see this production rate as operationally or financially sustainable. RBC Capital, Richard Spack said, in our view, the efforts taken, that includes the tent and the overtime, represent a burst rate, not a yet sustainable pace. And that's why as you take a look at shares of Tesla, yes, the company reaffirmed its guidance in terms of expecting to be profitable in the third quarter, cash flow positive. The stocks just moved a little bit lower throughout the day as analysts weighed in on the possibility that they may not be able to sustain the production rate for the Model 3 that they've laid out for the third quarter. Melissa? How big a deal is Doug Field leaving, Phil? I mean, he was on leave since, what, May or so? So he's been out of the picture for a couple months at the time when the company right. has been ramping up production. Uh, I, I think that if you look at the history, uh, Tesla, in terms of executives, important executives, once they've sort of been phased out or they have decided that, look, I don't want to be a part of what's going on here at Tesla, it's time to move on and try something else, um, Tesla has been able to weather those departures. So while Doug Field has been a huge story over the last five years, he has been essentially pulling himself back and has pulled himself back or has been phased out, so to speak, since May. And as a result, you know, Tesla is now a company moving in a different direction. All right. Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau in you Chicago bet. for us. Well, one Tesla analyst um, said that they predicted a massive production improvement right here on CNBC. Take a listen. We think that Tesla is going to produce somewhere between 43 and 4,900 Model 3s in the final week of the quarter. Now, Elon Musk has been out saying it's going to be 5,000, 5, so right. this is a little bit of a miss. But I don't think that that changes the story here, which is a massive improvement, basically a doubling of Model 3 production uh, quarter on quarter. So we're now joined by that Tesla bull and a part-time astrologer, Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Gene, before we gaze into the constellations for your future Tesla predictions, what did you make of the price action today? Because, I mean, pre-market, we were up 5-plus percent. I think it shows how embedded the bear and the bull case is. The bear case, the stock goes up, as you said, 6%. The reason why, based on my math and my conversations with the buy side today, the stock traded off was if you take that 28,000, that was the Model 3 production number, 28,000, divide it by 12, you get to 2,400 per week. That's a similar run rate that they exited the March quarter at. And so it's the bears have their case to say that even though that 5,000 number was pretty, they had to throw everything at it to get there, and the reality is they haven't uh, ramped. So I was surprised to answer your question at the action throughout the day. But after talking to investors, I can understand why the action was what it was. All right. Let's uh, go start stargazing, Gene, and take a look at some of your future Tesla predictions. First up, you predict production of Model 3 is to hit 6,000 by September. Nice. Why is that? So this is a little bit later than what 
Elon Musk is saying. He's saying they're going to get there in one month, at the end of, or two months, at the end of August. So we're thinking at the end of September. So the reason why we think that is that it's safe to say there's, he's had 21 misses. This actually, this 5,000 production number was the first time in about nine months that he's gotten one right. And I think it's safe to always dial back what he's saying. So that's why we think it's going to meet that uh, production number by the end of the September quarter. I want to put a quick finer point on why that's so important is if they hit that number, that's going to equate to about 48,000 Model 3s produced in the September quarter. And that should get them just to about profitability, slightly, uh, slightly profitable. And I think that that is going to be an important part of the story, I think, is obviously getting that profitability. So it's not going to be wildly profitable in September. I just want to warn everyone. But I think if they get to that 6,000, 48,000 for the quarter, that moves them in the right direction to profitability and, most importantly, sustainability. All right, next prediction, Gene. You're expecting a capital raise in the second half of 2019. 2019, so that's next year. How big? So this could be a huge capital raise. And obviously, the company is out saying that they're not going to raise money. So we're going in a little bit different direction in what they're saying. The purpose of this is, so how big could this be? It could be a billion plus, maybe even $2 billion kind of a capital raise. There's two purposes for it. One is they need to refi the current debt that they have. They're paying way too much of an interest rate. If they get to profitability, that will uh, make lenders more confident about the sustainability of the story and should allow them to refi at a lower rate. And separately, as they still have this option open around doing some manufacturing in China, and they'll need to raise capital to advance that. So we think that they will, in fact, raise a lot of capital in the back half of 2019. All right, last prediction. Tesla is the best bet in large-cap technology. Really? So we still, yeah, we still love Apple. I just want to be very clear. But that is a different animal. That is something that is slowly going to move higher. Uh, but if you look at just pure upside potential, and the big difference here is if the reason why Tesla presents so much upside relative to some of the other larger-cap tech is it's so controversial. There's this embedded buyer of all the people that are short. And so uh, there needs to be a psychological shift, I think, with the street that, in fact, this is a sustainable company. And we think that they will ultimately get there. And that is the pathway to showing the most upside to larger-cap tech over the next few years. What kind of upside are you talking about, Gene? Uh, we don't have price targets at Loop Ventures. We let investors kind of uh, figure that out. But we can say orders of magnitude. And I hate to be uh, vague about that, but I think that this has the most upside to all large cap tech. All right. Gene, thanks for the stargazing. We appreciate it. Gene Thank Munster you, Melissa. of Loop Ventures. How did the chart look today on this reversal? Well, I mean, look, this is a highly cyclical name. It, the, the, the bigger picture is this. We know that this stock came out of the gate in 2010, and no one quite knew real, not real. And then... In March of 2013, at 25 bucks, it went up tenfold to March of 14, and essentially has been sitting there ever since, meaning the market took it from 5 billion to about 50, and here we are at 56. So it's working off that move. The market priced in all of these things that have come out. Now the question is, is it just going to stay stuck, um, or is there some up leg like that, like multiples, uh, what, what Gene had referred to? My hunch is it's stuck. And, and as a trading chip, sure, you can make money, lose money, but I think there are better things to do. Well, it's a great stock to trade. I mean, listen, this stock in May was at 280, and it kind of ran into this number, and so they sold the news, which is pretty clear. I think it's a shame. When you talk to people who've driven this car, this Model 3, they really like it, and they're not 
too upset about paying $50,000 for a car that was originally going to be $35,000 for all intents and purposes. I think it's really important to remember the game that Elon Musk is playing with investors is probably not a great one, especially when you have a car that people really like and there's a lot of demand for it. Don't forget a few years ago when they announced this, they got a zero interest $400 million loan from, from people deposits, laying yeah. it out. So, like, but is a $50,000 car a mass market car? Because that's well, what but, this, but, that's but maybe the that's thesis. Maybe the, the goalposts have shifted a little bit. What I'm saying well, is the messaging stinks, okay? Like, just keep it in a hot Well, put it day. this way. I got longer at 280. I'm still long the name. Today, when I looked at it, I said, should I trim at that 355 mark? I was unhappy with the price action today. I, I don't like that precipitous drop. I would have thought once they met those production goals, the targets, I would have thought the stock would have been $400 bid. So it's making me skeptical skeptical about being anything longer than just a trade at this point. I mean, you, you can take today's news, as Phil pointed out, any way you want. The bulls, something in there for yeah. bulls, something in there for bears. So um, on some level, I'm not surprised at all. This is this is such a big number. It's total classic sell the fact. The bottom line is the company still, we don't know whether they're still going to have a cash burn effect in the second half of the year. If they jammed a bunch of, a bunch of stars out, the, a bunch of cars out the door just to be now cash flow somewhat neutral to positive, but we don't know they can hold that, I, I think we're where we have been. What did you guys time. make of Gene's last prediction? And that is that Tesla is the best bet. Listen, they kept when tech. you go in any one of their cars and you see this massive yeah. iPad like this uh -huh. and no dials and everything like that, and then you think about what they're talking about with autonomous in some time in the future. You think you no one else is doing that? Well, I, I understand. I mean, it's but not a tech I, name in terms of gross margin. I, I get it, but I'm just saying you can see heavy. the ecosystem that can be created. You can see a company like Google at some point when their growth starts to slow and say, you know what, that's our next frontier. They used to be so able to they, they were afford the think, past. They were afford the past trading on a technology company valuation. I, I, I get you on the market. Margins. The problem is now they're being gauged as a car company with productions. It feels like whack-a-mole to me, and I'm running out of What's running ironic out of is that Elon Musk in his letter said, I think we're finally a real car company. Yes. I don't want to be a real be. car company. But is that what they want to be? Is that what they want to be? And watch out. And, and I, I, the, the thing on Tesla is for so long they had such a head start in the EV world. Um, I don't think they have a major head start at all. I think every day that they don't get a production numbers, and let's face it, once they get to them, I, I just think a lot of competitors are closing the gap. I think the assumption that there's nobody in this Space right. just because you can have an iPad but in your dashboard. It's a, it's a little silly last to word. think in 2018 that it couldn't be a tech company because Apple Computer at one point wanted to be a phone company. And now they own the market, they own the margins, they own everything about it. So let's give Elon Musk probably the benefit of the doubt that he's probably got a plan for this one. So ahead, the China crush continues as its tech stocks feel the pain. But could these beaten down names be the perfect buying opportunities? The traders will weigh in and later check out this stock. The chartmaster says it is forming a very dangerous technical pattern that has him pressing sell. He'll tell you the name later on this hour. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money China and a bear market. Check out the FXI down more than 20 percent from its 52 week highs. And it's a Chinese Internet stocks really taking it on the chin. Our own Dom Chu is in the newsroom breaking it down. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, the trade skirmish that's turning into a trade battle that something could end up becoming a full-blown trade war is taking its toll on markets all over the globe, including the major U.S. indices. But while we have seen an overhang on our stocks because of it, it's far worse when it comes to the stocks of Chinese Internet companies, which are arguably being driven more to the downside by trade and international relations worries. So just check out three of the biggest Chinese Internet names out there. We've got shares of e-commerce giant Alibaba now off by about 13 
13% from their recent highs that we saw just on June 5th. Baidu, which some call the Google of China, is now off 15% from its recent highs on May 16th. And then there's JD.com, which is another big internet retailer and e-commerce play. It's lost around a quarter of its value since January 29th. Sentiment around investing in these once high-flying and relatively more volatile Chinese stocks could be increasingly exposed to the negative headlines on escalating trade tensions with the U.S. That's more evident if you look at some of the bigger ETFs that track the larger cap Chinese stocks. The iShares China large cap ETF, that ticker FXI, it hit a high of 54 bucks a share on January 26th. They've now lost a fifth of their value since then. So, Melissa, there's definitely broader emerging market weakness due to things like perhaps a rising U.S. dollar, but many Chinese stocks also being driven by trade tensions. So it will be an overhang until things start to move in a more positive direction. Back over to you guys. All right. Thanks, Dom. Dom Chu in the newsroom. So with all these names falling, we thought there's no better time to go bottom fishing. So here's how it works. Is this a game? Yes, it's a game. All right. It's another game. All right. um, so we'll go around the horn, and if you would yeah, you buy the stock, you call it a good catch. <laughs> but if the stock has further to fall, you would call it a dead fish. So good catch, you buy. Good catch. Dead fish, you do not buy. Get fish. it? Very easy. Simple All right. enough. Oh, oh. Tim is the first okay. victim. Oh, oh. Um, Alibaba, good catch or dead fish? Good catch. Good catch. I mean, look, Baba, actually, if you think relative to the asset class, that is a nice-looking fish, by the way. It's a green, <laughs> healthy-looking fish, probably that's from some you, nuclear pond. That's what you want in your fish. You want a green Some fish. nuclear <laughs> pond. And so, no. Uh, bottom line, Alibaba's actually outperformed the FXI. It's been roughly 22% since the beginning of April when emerging markets have really underperformed. Dom pointed out the underperformance in the sector. If you look at, look, they, they've got fiscal uh, Q1 2019 coming up. You're going to see... 60% revenue growth in this quarter, uh, 43%, 44% EBITDA margin. I think the valuation in Alibaba makes a ton of sense here. And I think the trade kind of madness, this is one of the largest stocks in the emerging market index. Right. That's what's going on here, people. And it's outperformed that index massively. If you had to choose, though, would you choose an Alibaba or would you go for a large cap tech name like an Amazon um, me personally right here, yeah. I like this fact. Alibaba to me has been consolidating all year long. Okay, so so the story, it's a much better secular trend, I believe, in uh, China than it is here. They have like so three, four. Catch. I think it's a good catch. I mean, I, I actually like it at the low end of this range here. And you don't have to worry about valuation when you made the comparison to Amazon. People mm -hmm. can't get their head around that valuation. That's the other reason why they go to Alibaba. All right, so that's a good, good catch. catch. Good catch. Good Steve. catch. Right, good catch, right. Steve. It's good Steve's catch. Green fish. Now. Here's Steve's, Steve's stock. Baidu. What do you say? So it, it, when Dom introed this package, it was Baidu was the Chinese Google. And they are in a lot of the same uh, lines of business that Google is in. Obviously, they're much stronger in China. Google is weak in China, but stronger globally. I, I would think that the m biggest thing is this, uh, that the headwind that you've been dealing with at Baidu has been the trade war. I don't think it's going to be as bad as everyone thinks. I do think you'll see some sort of that. Yeah, we're in for the fish. Yes, the fish. Good the catch. green one. The green one. Good, Good catch. catch. All right. Well, when I get to mine, I'm going to show you a group chart that I think. But go ahead. You're next. No, 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 but what do you She's think about Baidu being a good I, I, I've got a, a judgment I want to talk about the whole group as it relates to... Oh, so to, if you, if you told end, us what you thought... Well, then just casting his net right. at the no, end. No, 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 at the end. I'm going to... Okay, fine. I have a group <laughs> chart here that might be relevant. If you take the top five stocks in the S&P plus um, Netflix and Priceline versus the top seven stocks in China Internet, 
that Chinese group doubled the performance of the U.S. group last year, up 80 versus 40. But now they're down 10, whereas our group has continued up another 30. Wow. There is much more excess in the Chinese group than there is in our group. And I think or growth thing, potential, depending on how you or, look at it. Or growth potential, but markets are smart. They priced in a lot already. Um, I think the whole thing is a dead fish. Oh, so you say dead mm. fish, dead fish. Well, and even Dan hasn't had a turn yet. You're already well, dead fish. No, but yeah. but, but I, I actually, this goes back to that original conversation we were having yeah. the A block. I didn't, I'm not it's allowed to fish, talk about this, but I was really. going to use that as another one Awful. of the inputs. I think the fact that this group has been consolidating like this is another kind of tell as, as you think about so it. So apply this analysis so, to your so, but, but I think JD. it makes sense to look at all of these names in particular. And JD, here's one where they're growing sales 30% a year. Um, you know, they're number two in gross merchandise value behind. Alibaba, slightly different business model um, in some parts of their business. Google just invested $550 million in this company mm -hmm. at $40 a share. It's trading below that here. So to me, I think this is a good catch. If you look at it, just technically, it's bounced off 35, 36 on numerous times over the course of this year, and I think that's probably the opportunity to really jump in, but I like this story here. Can we yeah, put up the red fish again? Yeah, can we put up that? Because I have a question for Carter on his, oh, okay. uh, I, on his dead fish. I might even chuck a red fish. fish on Dan's green fish, by the way. But let's, oh, really? Yeah, well, yeah. I just think J.D. is okay. always at loggerheads with Baba, and in fact, I think Baba's been doing everything they can do to push J.D. around, and even some of these but deals, now, when, when, and I think they can, But aren't frankly. they now in, in loggerheads with Walmart, who's an investor in J.D., and Google? I mean, to me, I, I actually... Think about two guys who want to compete with Alibaba I don't, know, globally. But I, I don't, again, it's like what Walmart did with Flipkart. I don't think Walmart is going to do anything in uh -huh. those local markets. Okay. Let's, can, we, can we go to Carter's FXI? I want to see Carter's Redfish. FXI <laughs> was Carter's Redfish. And you made this a comparison between the Chinese Internet stocks and the S&P 5. Well, so FXI no, is state-owned enterprises. Stocks are, think about it. They're individual traders and there's individual judgments. But... Some of the biggest money trades stocks in groups. We know that. That's the way they... So the it doesn't matter that a lot of these stocks we're talking about are right? not in the FXI. That, that's the issue. I mean, the FXI itself, um, look, at the, look at the casino stocks we just talked about. If there's pressure in China, it doesn't matter what an individual player is going to do. There's going to be pressure, yes? I, I agree. I, I, I agree with that. Stocks that trade as a group uh, and higher beta ones in that group, like the Chinese ones, are going to outperform and then underperform, as you laid it out. Um, the FXI has got a lot of Chinese banks in it. There's a reason why that should be underperforming at a time we're very concerned about China. This is a global tech trade. Do you think that's over? No, I mean, I think FXI is a dead fish, and I think everything we talked about is sort of dead fish. Like. The music's playing, sorry. Yeah. Still ahead, don't call it a comeback. Bitcoin is surging. There's one key thing the whole crypto universe is waiting for. We will tell you what that is. Plus, there is one name the chartmaster says is in the early stages of a classical technical pattern that could spell trouble ahead. He will explain much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin having a great weekend. Take a look at this chart. The cryptocurrency posting a 12% rally from Friday to today. We invited our crypto baller BK on the show today, oh, but great. he's uh, busy on a boat. You see there, send a postcard oh. in. So if BK were here, what would we ask him? So, Tim, what would you want to Well, know? the first thing I would say is, <laughs> why do you look like Captain Steubing? Um, the second question, though, is, why is Bitcoin higher? This is a massive move. BK. Well, actually, funny you should ask that, oh. because through the miracle of blockchain, we've got an answer from him, oh, sort that's cool. of. BK writes, Bitcoin failed to test the June 24th low of 57.55. News flow has turned bullish. Wow, short and sweet. Anyone here buying this bounce? Hmm. Yeah. All right. 
Rasa, what would you ask BK? Well, it's always driven by certain catalysts. What are the catalysts in the second half? We already just booked the first half of the year. Mm. What do we have to look forward to for potential catalysts? We actually have an answer for that question as well. BK wrote oh. this here from an wow. undisclosed location. Again, a boat, but we don't know where exactly the boat is. There are a number of Bitcoin catalysts, those catalysts being ICE, NICE, cryptocurrency exchange, Fidelity working in custody. That's $1 trillion in AUM assets under management, able to buy crypto, and regulatory clarity. Thanks for checking in with Captain BK. So um, let's go ahead and trade this. When you took a look at that price action, what did you make of it over the weekend? Yeah, I thought it was head scratching. I mean, the things that obviously in a massive downtrend, the range has gotten tighter and tighter. Look at it on a log chart. It's still in, in that downtrend. I actually think you'll probably see lower lows, but I'm really starting to pick at it here because a lot of these those catalysts that BK is talking about, I don't know if you saw the, the announcement out of Coinbase today. Their yeah. custody solution went live. These things are all going to come. It's just a matter of when. All right. Still ahead. The chart master, he's not done yet. He's going to go break down one chart he says could be flashing a major sell signal. He will explain what has him so worried. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. All of you at home are big fans of our technicians and their charts. But as you watch them doodle over at the plasma, you probably found yourself wondering what some of those lines even mean. Since the chart master is here today, we are getting him to break down the classic pattern in a segment we like to call The More You Know. So Carter's over at the plasma. Great it's music. something you've heard him mention over and over again. The old head and shoulders pattern. So Carter, what is it? I think the key word is old, meaning before there were computers, the original practitioners were desperate to try to convince people that what they were doing wasn't insanity. Of course, we know now with all the algorithms, it wasn't. They named things that people could see, cups and handles, heads and shoulders. Uh, and the head and shoulders formation, uh, the key to it is it's a reversal formation, as you see right here. And then it occurs at bottoms and at tops. And then finally, it precedes a major uh, advance or decline. So I thought we could look at a few from the past and then find one for now. Now, here's Caterpillar. This is Caterpillar in the 2015-2016 low, and a massive move. The stock from the right shoulder up about 145%. And the key is it moves from the neckline. Let's look at another one on a five-year chart. This is Micron. Uh, they're all a little different, but the same principle. In this case, up about 270% from the right shoulder, and all the good eating starts from the neckline. All right. On the way down, a head and shoulders top, just this year, a big asset manager, affiliated managers, you can see the formation, you can see the neckline, and you could, of course, see the plunge just in the past two, three months down 25%. Let's do another one. Um, the point is, it doesn't matter what the business is. This is truck engines. There's nothing to do um, with an asset management business. But the key is the same. You see the neckline, you see the top, and you see the big plunge just over the past four or five months down 23, 24%. So financials industrials are in this category. Here's an early stage of bullish to bearish reversal. We know we've got this beautiful trend line and we have a break-in trend. We have our head and shoulders top and we are hovering on Citibank right at the neckline. The risk is that it, like so many instances, completes the topping formation. Head and shoulders, bottoms and tops are very real uh, and they are efficacious. Hey, Carter, at what point do you really identify the, the, the right shoulder? Because uh, a lot of charts set up that way, and, you know, arguably you can really be aggressive on going to the downside. That's right. Well, you want the, the best head and shoulders tops where the right shoulder, as seen here, is lower than the left shoulder. And so once it starts to fail to make a new high and slump, usually that's the tell that it's in trouble. Very cool. 
So, Dan, you had a, a head and shoulder sharp before, right? Yeah, so that was really interesting. To me, that right shoulder right had formed. shoulder wasn't quite yet. there, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes so. that's where you get the most bang for your buck, down to the neckline, too. All right. Up next, final trade. Final trade, Carter. The dogs of the Dow, loser J&J &J for recovery trade, up. Dan? Yeah, J.D., I like taking a shot down there that uh, support at 36. Steve Grosso. Carter, it has been in and out. I'm currently in this stock. It's had a huge drawdown by. Oh, I think Carter gets an MVP vote today. I mean, totally. yeah, showing up in the jacket, heavy yeah. OA yeah, presence jacket. here. Good catch. He dominated. Good catch. No and for that, I'm going to sell JD.com because it's the opposite of Dan. I think their margins are deteriorating. <laughs> sell JD.com. All right. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks for watching. See you back here. Oh, Ashley, we're off tomorrow. That money starts right now. Oh. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.